Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Hello there, and welcome to Frankie Sense and More. I am your host, Frankie Picasso, and my guest co-host is Frederick Bai. Hello. (laughs) Today we have a wonderful show for you. We have uh, Sophie Gamash. She's a French award-winning photographer and animal advocate. Also calling in from Nigeria is Esther Kalajai. Is that correct, Esther? Did I say it right? And uh, no. <laughs> no. I knew I was like, I got it right. Say, All right. Say it for us. Kalejayi. Kalejayi. And yes. she's a social activist. I'll try again. I'll try again later. Okay. I promise. I, <laughs> I screwed up Vanessa's name, I'm too. I'm going to mess it up. Yeah. 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 Well, what can we say? As usual, you know, we are just so involved in social impact and Fred has our good news story today that we align with the United Nations global goals and I'm going to let him take it away for a moment. Go ahead, Fred. Yeah. So we're talking about animals today. We're going to talk about dogs, but here it's about the elephants. California bans use of harmful devices against captive elephants. Uh, Basically they, they, they banned the use of bull hooks and baseball bats and the hacks, ax handles, pitchforks, you know, anything that's designed to inflict pain for the purpose of training or, con- or controlling the behavior of uh, an elephant. And uh, the bill will not go into effect until January 1st, 2016. Mm. And 2016? Actually, I guess it went through already. 18. Sorry. 18. Oh, 18. <laughs> okay. And? Then uh, there's a circus there that the Ringling Brothers uh, retired their elephant axe in May. And two mm-hmm. years earlier than originally stated, and also uh, Malawi, Malawi, I'm not sure about, <laughs> uh, just relocated 500 of the of the of the elephants to a safer and more spacious location, protected from poachers. So well, I was breaking up there, my friend. I am breaking up. Yeah, you know, elephants. They really, yeah, they really do have like a long memory, and I know that they they moved three elephants from Toronto down to San Diego, and one did not survive. It was a, it was a younger one, I think, uh, unfortunately. But it was the best thing for the other two because they just need so much room to roam in, and there just wasn't enough space for them, and and they're so sensitive and so. Just such an amazing animal. I'm so glad that they have banned these, you know, horrible hooks and mm. other, you know, pain-inflicting uh, apparatus that they a lot of them use with the elephant. It, it's very, very sad. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good story. I'm glad that, that you know, somebody's done something nice for the elephant. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's 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 meet Sophie first, and 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 we're going to meet Esther, and we're going to have a great conversation today. As I said, um, Sophie Gamashi is a French award-winning photographer and animal advocate. She now lives in New York City, and since 2010, she has been focusing on dogs and our, meaning humans, relationships with them. She's won several prestigious photography awards for her work, including the Sony World Photography Award in 2014, and she also has been recognized for her, her advocacy. Uh, and her dedication to animal rescue and adoption. 
Sophie, you say that dogs are the first and most striking example of artificial selection. What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> well, hi. Thank you very much for having me uh, on your yeah. show, first off. <laughs> Um, well, you know, dogs are the, the first animals that uh, humans created, really. Um, you know, they took uh, animals and they bred them together and we've created different breeds and shapes and colors and hair. Um, so, yeah, it's really the first and most striking example of artificial selection, meaning it didn't occur naturally. Mm-hmm. So what it means, I believe, is that it gives us um, a tremendous responsibility towards them. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we we acted like God towards these animals, so now we we should be responsible for their well being. Mm. You know, and and you're right um, about the artificial selection, and especially in the bully breeds, because you know with that punched in face, they have a very hard time breathing. I don't know why we did that to them. <laughs> it's really kind well, of well. <laughs> there's certainly some breeding that's gone really wrong. You know, the past decades. Um, not all bully breeds, but certainly you know some breeds. Um, people have gone too far for sure, and. Um, fortunately, there's a lot of very ethical breeders that try to maintain very healthy breeds, but there's mm-hmm. also a lot of abuse and, and stupid people doing stupid things. Hey, you know, uh, you, go ahead, Fred. You have, you have a fascination with dogs, and, and that's just. And your website is filled with dogs' f- for photographs, and you know, it's just. Where does your passion for it begin? Like, why? You know, <laughs> where does it come from? <laughs> well, you know. It, Interestingly enough, um, I really don't see myself as a dog photographer or um, I think I'm more obsessed with understanding people better. And because I was very shy with people and socially super awkward, I think I naturally went to animals. But really, when I work with dogs and the people that work with, with these dogs, I really try to understand the people better. Um, by, you know, photographing dogs in shelters, I try to understand how did we end up here? Why is this dog mm-hmm. abandoned? Why do we abuse animals? And so my work is more a reflection on our humanity and, and how we interact yeah. with each other and with the animals and the world around us. And, how, and what did you learn about humans? You know, what was the well, most striking thing you learned about humans? You know, I would say, I don't know if I learned, learned anything, but one thing is, the more compassion I have for animals and working with them, and the more compassion I actually develop for humans. Because really, when you look at how we treat animals, it reveals a lot about our own shortcomings and our own solitude and, and you know, how hard it is to be a human being, a decent human being, mm-hmm. and how hard it is to be with each other as, as human people. You know, wh- why are so many people turning to animals? Because it's so difficult to be together as a human society. So I'm trying to learn compassion, and I think working with animals, you know, as much horror as you see happening in the animal welfare communities, you actually learn to have compassion for people who, you know, are bad people with animals and abuse them. You know, I had uh, one of my guests, Mark Baron, he uh, is an artist, and he he is painting 5,400 dogs because that's about the number that are killed every day in the United States in shelters. And and they're phenomenal paintings, and some of them are eight feet by eight feet. And Mark and his partner, Marina, are are creating the Museum of Compassion. It's called an active dog because they really felt that we needed to teach this next generation about compassion because how can we let our best friend, these wonderful companions, when they get old or we just don't want them anymore like they're just they're not you know they're just abandoned to these shelters and they know that they're going to get get euthanized or killed you know really the word is killed because they're getting killed um and, and so it's interesting you know that you talk about the compassion and yet they're believing that you have to teach compassion now yeah you know 
Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, absolutely. I think compassion is key and, and teaching compassion to, you know, kids in school should be the first thing you teach them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I work with animals, you know, it's not that I feel like animals are more important than humans, but I, I really think that you can teach compassion through animals because it's almost easier to have compassion for animals. It doesn't mean, you know, yeah. animals are worth more or less or whatever, you know, it's just compassion is compassion. And if you can learn to be compassionate with animals, then you should be able to learn to be compassionate with mm-hmm. humans. Fellows, mm-hmm. you know, it makes me think of Ian um, Lavenz, and you know, she's off, often on Oprah, and she said something very interesting in an interview recently, and she said that there's a lot of because she was talking about Facebook and all that. There's a lot of connections, like, but we're all connected, but there's very few relationships. Mm-hmm. And I just feel mm-hmm. like what you're saying about dogs, you know, we need relationships in our lives, not just connections. That's like, true. I'm friend. I'm your friend on Facebook. Who cares? Know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> my husband said he wants to come back as my dog because I treat my dog better <laughs> than I treat anybody else. <laughs> I, I, would, I would come back as my wife's uh, cat. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so, Sophie has her the wet dog. Her, you know, she's the author of the wet dog, which is her book um, about all these dogs who've been shampooed and are wet and feeling not not as secure in their beauty because you know they're not in all their fine finery. I guess it's a beautiful book. I'm just looking at this book because I did order it, Sophie. I want you to know that. And the book yes. helps helps Sophie, you know, travel around and do the advocacy work that she wants to do. But where you came to my attention was with the flower power, the pit bulls of the revolution you know i i as i'm an artist and i'm always looking for paintings to you know pictures to paint and things to do and i wrote to you because i didn't want to just steal your stuff but i was so i there was just one dog with the flowers around his head and i thought oh i just need to paint this i need to paint this so badly because it's just so darn cute uh and, and and so i wrote to you and you know it's just it's an amazing they're just amazing on sophie's website we need to go to that and it's sophie gaman it's g-a-m-a-n-d dot com you can go there and you can see uh the flower power pit bulls uh they're just adorable mm-hmm. you've been doing that for what like two years uh yes i started the project two years ago so i have photographed uh, about 300 pit bulls from different shelters around the u.s uh, and I build the crowns and I, I bring the crowns to the shelters and photograph the dogs wearing the crowns. So it all started because I was afraid of pit bulls and I was volunteering in shelters. And each time they would bring a pit bull out, I'd be like, Ugh, no, thank you. <laughs> you know, and then one day I realized, you know, my fear was based on things that had nothing to do with these dogs. Yes. So I figured, you know, I should try and understand them better, which is why I created this art project. What's Esther, do you have a dog? I just want to know if Esther has a dog. Uh, no. I don't like think you have dogs in Africa. In Africa, like the dogs aren't in the street, <laughs> no? <laughs> oh, do, no? Do people no, keep no, them as pets? I, 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 I do not have any pets. Um, I'm very scared of dogs. And um, I literally can't even just go near a dog. You know, and that's really? Oh, okay. Don't, don't, don't they walk in gangs in, in Africa? Like they walk don't in... Are you talking about the dogs, in, Fred? Huh? You talking about the dogs walking? Yeah, the dogs. yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they walk in groups. Like, well, I'm sure groups. not in Lagos. They, I don't think they do through the city. Do they? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Really much, yeah. Have you yeah. have you been to Lagos to photograph dogs? No, hell no. So, so no. <laughs> so, 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 so. 
Excuse me? Have you, been I, to, I, have you been to Africa to photograph any dogs? Oh, no, I haven't. But, um, I've, you know, I've seen some beautiful photos of feral dogs there and local breeds, you know, and I'm fascinated. Yeah. One of my dreams is to go around the world and photograph all the local, you know, feral breeds of dogs because it's really interesting. I love their painted dog. It's such a beautiful, the coat is just extraordinary. We're going to go to a commercial break very shortly in a little less than 30 seconds. When we come back, we're going to hear about a show in Montreal where Fred is living that uh, Sophie's going to attend. We're going to talk to Esther about all the work that she's doing, the um, her, her social work with with girls and women around uh, her war project. And I can't wait oh, to come back and speak to everybody. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. So don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Heck no, we're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the million-dollar mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the million-dollar mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. Hour. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Have you ever felt that you're too busy to exercise? That is a common excuse and one that is used quite often. But the reality is, we make time for what is important to us. We all get 24 hours in a day, and it's simply a matter of prioritizing and managing your time. If you have time to watch your favorite television program, get a manicure, or read a book, you have time to exercise. I always encourage my clients to exercise first thing in the morning, if possible. Roll out of bed 30 minutes earlier, put on your exercise clothes, and head outside for a brisk walk or run or head to the gym. Get it done early before the demands of the day interfere with your exercise schedule. Starting your day off with exercise is energizing, invigorating, and mood enhancing. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. And we're back, and Frankie sends in more. Everybody's still here. Frederick is here. Esther is here, and Sophie. And Karina Love is our producer today. I just want to say hi. Karina, do you have a dog? Oh, she's (laughs) off doing something else, I guess. Okay, Esther, welcome. Esther, yes, she's, she's, she's so cool, our Esther, <laughs> and beautiful. Oh, my gosh. She's a Nigerian-born social activist, a youth advocate, a columnist for the Guardian paper. She has a column called Women of Rubies, wife, mother of two, author of the book Breaking the Silence. And you um, have a social enterprise outfit uh, that's devoted to youth advocacy, and you are the brains behind the War Walk Against Rape initiative mm-hmm. that was created to lend a voice for the victims of rape and demand justice for the perpetrators. 
And this initiative is endorsed by the Lago State Ministry of Women's Affairs and Poverty Alleviation. Wow. Women Affairs and Poverty. Like, that's a weird combination for for ministry. (laughs) How did that that come about, the war war against rape? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, for the Walking Against Strip campaign, um, I started out um, at a point where there was a vacuum um, in the social setting. A lot of victims, um, you know, were not free to come out yes. and, um, of course, discuss rape openly. It was like a taboo, you know, in Nigeria mm. at that time. And I said to myself, if we don't do something about this, we would have more victims and less perpetrators, you know, who, of course, will get justice. All right. So um, I just, for me, it was just passion in the beginning. Mm-hmm. All right. I just wanted to do something. I wanted to contribute my quota. And I saw what, what the government was doing. And I said, okay, maybe, just maybe I could, you know, try and reach out to more women. Let's gather together. Let's have a walk. Let's create awareness. Mm-hmm. All right. You and say- then encourage victims to speak up. Yeah. Yeah. Go on, Frederick. No, no, I was just going to say, uh, you said there's kind of a stigma. That's why I hear about, you know, people who have been raped and stuff like Or, you know, what's the stigma? Yeah. I mean, are they pushed aside? Like, what's happening? Uh, well, um, I, I, well I, I can speak for uh, my country. Um, when you come out to say you've been raped, the first thing is people blame you. Mm-hmm. All right? Why? I don't that's, yeah. common. Oh. that's common. Oh. They said that the women, she asked for it, she wore the wrong clothes, she did something. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Exactly. So, and, and then, you know, you, you find out that most of these women don't want to come out because of that particular stigma. All right. And of course, the justice system, well, luckily now things are getting better. At that time, when you go to the police station to report, the first thing they ask you is, why did you get raped? Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, so we have oh to address God. those issues. Yeah. All right. You know, for me, my passion had to turn into um, seriousness, if I can use that word. Right. You know, I was a young girl who just wanted to contribute that quota. But then, I, you know, after the first walk, I, I realized, you know, we had so many loopholes, and then, you know, I had to reach out to more people in government to make sure that we poke government. And luckily, you know, yes, the laws were adjusted here and there, but. You know, we're still doing our best. We're still doing our best. In North in North America, it's one in four women will be raped. What are the statistics in Nigeria? Do you know? Ah, oh, right now, uh, for Lagos and a state called Kano State, it's the northern part of Nigeria. At say three in four women. Ooh. Wow. Yes. Oh my That's gosh. It. It's that bad. It's like every day you walk out and then you pick up the newspaper. There is something about rape. There's a young girl who has just been raped by an uncle. I mean, people rape kids of 18 months. Yes. Well, I knew that they did the young kids because they thought it, um, it, it would cure AIDS, right? Yeah, they wanted I, babies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that like, happened in, um, I, uh, I'm trying to remember the country now, Uganda. Um, yes, but for Nigeria, um, some people believe that um, when they sleep with these girls, it brings some sort of luck to them when they rape them. You know, some yeah, a bit diabolical. Yeah, if I may use it, that word. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me either because I'm sure it's like you know I have family in Gabon and stuff like that, and the rules are so different. Nobody respects the rules over there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's everything is just it's it's a little bit like the it's not the jungle, but it's. Close to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you have to you have to think that a man can control his urge or yeah, just, just he's entitled, you know, to get whatever he wants when he wants and that's it. 
Like there's no regard yeah. for women. And it really comes yeah, back to how do you respect women? You know, what, what are your thoughts about women? And, and if they're respected, then there's less chance. You know, yeah. What do the laws say now, Esther? What do the laws say uh, uh, around rape? Like um, what, what kind of a rape, sentence would a man get, or if any? 14 years. 14 years. 14 years. Oh, oh that's good. Yes. Uh, okay. And um, what we're making sure of is, um, aside from reporting these cases, we follow up till, um, you know, it's ended in a conclusive way, obviously. And we make sure these perpetrators are actually sent to jail. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. And so far, so good. The Lagos state government is not smiling uh, at this issue. All right. Yeah. You rape anyone, you go to jail. Yes. That's the so, new law in Lagos. So your book, Breaking the Silence, I, I, I smile because I interviewed a woman um, about five years ago. She also wrote a book called Breaking the Silence, but she was actually a hooker in, in, Las, in Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> With Frank Sinatra's hooker, personal hooker. But uh, mm-hmm. your, your book is, is a guide to helping young women survive sexual situations. So yes. um, what prompted you to write that book? Um, after we've organized the work for four years, I had to, the deputy governor of Lagos at that time um, called me and said, you know what, um, instead of just walking the talk, let's start talking the walk as well. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you do a compilation of a book that wouldn't just talk about rape or educate women on rape, but also talk about help centers okay. and helplines. Okay. Because mm-hmm. um, one of the biggest reasons why people do not re- report these cases is because they do not know where to go to. Right. Um, they do not know the numbers to call. So uh, my book was more of a wake-up call, you know, um, apparently, because, um, you know, we had to team up together to, you know, put in my book approved help centers all over Lagos. So they would have they would have a rape kit at the health center. They could do the the DNA testing and all that. Make sure that exactly yes. Okay. What happens yes. to the to the woman after the man goes in jail? Does she is there is is does she have the stigma still? I mean, you know what I mean. Is she mm-hmm. how is she perceived still? Uh, well, um, first, um, what we do is for us, the victim is more important than the yeah. perpetrator. Mm-hmm. So um, we focus on the healing process. All right. And okay, the healing good. process starts with I will stop blaming myself. It is not my fault. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, some people do not come out of it. All right. Um, these victims respond differently. All sure. right. Some actually just yank out of it almost immediately and they move on but some people you know you know just don't move away from that spot so sometimes it takes a longer process in trying to let them come out again and be themselves yeah Esther, so, yeah. What's, what's the um, perception of virginity um like is it important in your society or is it just you know it's just sex is natural and you know it's not a big deal uh, well in my society yes <laughs> Africans are very cultural, yes, <laughs> and cultural perception of every young woman in Africa is you need to marry when you're virgin. All right, uh-huh. Uh-huh. right now, uh, no, that rule ain't working no more. Yeah, hard to find. Yeah, yeah. So for me, me personally, um, well, yeah, virginity is cool, but mm-hmm. then my rule is if you have to have sex, make sure it's protected. That's right. it. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And and so you know I I remember I used to um, be in the condom business and I had a I had a company condom company called Condom Sense and I was mm-hmm. working with some groups in Africa and and because 
we we did find out that you couldn't really ask a guy to put a condom on as much because they weren't going to respect that, especially, you know, they're going around raping people. But Uh-oh. the female condom was, was a way that a woman could protect herself but it was so expensive mm. to like it was like five dollars I think, which was a lot of money. Um, mm. That that and you know we were buying condoms here for ten cents, and and yet I think they're being sold over there like it was like two dollars or something. But the female condom was is a little bit more money. But it was something that that women you know could do for themselves if they didn't trust a man to wear a condom. So is have you ever seen that over there? Uh, sorry, Frankie, can you call me again? Yeah, have, have you seen, seen a female condom? Have you come up across them at all? Uh, yes, 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 yes. I have um, a couple of times, yes, I have. But, um, of course, um, I, I don't think Nigerians are accustomed <laughs> to that yet. Yes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you know, the, the thing is that, that AIDS is, there's such a high incidence of rate of AIDS in Africa. It's, I don't know about Nigeria, but I do know, like, AIDS is pretty high. Um, and, and so here you have people going around, you know, three out of four women are going to get raped. means that three out of four women are going to get some kind of disease, possibly, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. so it's, you know, what, what else can you do to protect yourself, really, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's sad. It's a sad pitfall. <laughs> I guess that's all you can do. What are some of the, you faced? Uh, you know, you you try you change the laws. What are some of the challenges that you had to face when it came to facing this to the government or you know the laws or the people when you started it? Um, well, um, well, one of the major problems are actually um, families of these victims. All right, um, most of these people actually just want to sweep it under the carpet. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and then you you need to go through a lot of counseling and you know let them see reasons why they need to come out apparently. So um, it was a very big challenge in the beginning. All right, um, trying to convince the families to actually you know take up the cases, you know, and of course. Justice will be served. Yeah. 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 Wow. It's something. Now, you um, tell us about your Women of Rubies because it's a great magazine, a great column that you write. (laughs) Yeah. Thank (laughs) you. Tell us how that started. Um, All right. Okay. Um, um, The organization itself, it's called Rubies Inc. Initiative for Women and Children. And um, at some point, I just realized that uh, most of the women that actually make headlines in Nigeria are people that are already known. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, there are so many women out there who are doing so much, but they do not have access to media. Mm-hmm. All right. I have access to media. All right. And I said, okay, why don't I just start a platform where I can showcase these women? Let me give them a voice. All right. Just one post on my website could actually help someone um, perhaps get a grant, you know, or, you know, give you some sort of recognition somewhere. All right. So Mm -hmm. the whole idea was just to celebrate unsung heroines in the society. Mm. And and the significance of rubies? Uh, Of course, you know, rubies is a precious stone. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, for me, I believe every woman is precious. <laughs> women is precious. Women are precious. precious. Yeah. <laughs> and you are also involved in I Bared My Chest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're going to go to a commercial break, so you get to talk about that when we come right back. And then we're going to have a free-for-all and talk to everybody. So don't go anywhere because we're coming right back. Sophie's going to be here. Esther's going to be here. And, of course, Fred is going to be here. And I'm yeah. your Frankie Picasso, and I'm going to be here, too. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Heck no, we're just getting warmed up. 
Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. for a long time that diamonds are precious or worth a lot of due to rumors that means money did you ever wonder how a polished pebble becomes one of the most expensive things on earth two centuries ago diamonds were worn only by royalty but in 1870 miners discovered huge deposits of diamonds in south africa and soon after the diamond market was flooded That's when a man named Cecil Rhodes started buying up shares of the diamond mines. Eighteen years later, Rhodes controlled the entire South African supply of diamonds. He started his own newspaper and magazine articles with clever ad campaigns about cut, clarity, color, and carrot. He also convinced women that they weren't truly engaged to be married without a diamond ring. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Our son just adopted a dog, a red fox Labrador named Scout. There is no better psychologist in the world to help you feel good, like a happy-go-lucky Norse Boris puppy licking your face. Dogs are really smart. If you think dogs can't count, try putting three dog biscuits in your pocket and then giving Fido only two of them. Your dog will be snuzzling or poking around with his nose to find the last biscuit. If people are really smarter than dogs, why are we the ones walking along behind them with the pooper scooper? The reason a dog has so many friends is that he wags his tail instead of his tongue. Even though owning a dog can cause us to become dartle dum doos or someone who spent all of their energy, dogs reward us by giving us their all. It's the best deal man has ever made. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Hello. And we're back, and you're listening to Frankie Sense and More. How are you? Thank you for sticking around. We really appreciate it. <laughs> so just when we were on break, I asked Esther, um, when is her next walk? Um, we're planning another walk for the first time in um, six years. We're taking the walk out of Lagos by November because, um, of course, we have high prevalence of rape in other states and they've been asking us to come here. Yeah, so by November, we're having the next walk. Oh, okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Hopefully lots of people will join you. You have a project yeah. capable. And uh, that is, that's interesting. What, what, what is it about? The project oh, okay. capable. Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, that's um, a secondary school um, summit. Um, it's an empowerment program um, and a mentoring program for young people of secondary school age. Um, what we do is um, we realize that a lot of these young people actually look up to um, celebrities, you know, as their idols. All right. Mm-hmm. So um, we try to sort of, you know, form a mentoring and mentee program for them. We bring the celebrities to them to, you know, speak to them and, of course, try and motivate them, basically. Yeah. So that's what Project Capital is about. Yeah. Mm. I love the can-do mm. mentality uh, that you're, you're, you're uh, you know, projecting out there. What are some yeah. of the things that you that you use, you know, to, so that people start believing in themselves, especially these young people? Mm. Uh, well, uh, okay. Um, for me, what I always do is uh, um, to continually share my own story of success as well. 
mm-hmm. all right, because um, it was very rough for me when I started out, all right? Um, people didn't believe in the vision in the beginning, okay? So I, I don't get tired of telling my story. That's it. Why, why, right? why didn't they believe in the vision? Uh, well, I mean, because... Uh, Ah, of course, um, you know how Africa is. We are great people, yes. (laughs) But then um, when it comes to um, pitching ideas, you know, to people, everybody feels, oh, yeah, just go and sit down. We've heard that before. All right? So you need to find your niche. You need to be able to convince them. And sometimes in convincing them, it means you need to use the media a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so, um, it's one of the biggest um, challenges a lot of young entrepreneurs face here. Mm. What what has the hang on, friend? Hang on. I want to make sure we get her website in. Give us your website, Sophie. Or or, I'm sorry, um, Esther. All right, Um, womenofrubies.com. And Sophie's website. Sophie, your website. Uh, SophieGammon.com. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay. Um, And and you have. We we just heard that Esther has another walk coming up in November. And Sophie, you are going to Montreal September 24th through 28th to be a part of an art show in Montreal. So I'll be actually in New York because I have a photo festival in New York that same uh, week. So uh-huh. I'm not going to be able to be in Montreal. Uh-huh. But there is a great show in Montreal uh, September 24th to 28th at the uh, Menline Gallery. Mm-hmm. And it's 40 artists uh, that gathered to show a different side of pit bulls. So you mm-hmm. have, you know, paintings and illustrations, and it's all about pit bull dogs. And it's a, just a, to bring a different, um, you know, perspective. view, perspective, yeah. exactly. Of, of the, and it's interesting what Esther was, was just uh, talking about with mm-hmm. media and how do you convince people and change mentalities. For me, mm-hmm. you know, my tool is art and, mm-hmm. and media, obviously. But um, I think mm-hmm. when you're able to put a visual in front of people, mm-hmm. uh, it's mm-hmm. easier to open their heart and convince them and pass your ideas. So for mm. me, the image is, is it's, the, it's the power. And so with mm. pit bulls, you know, I try to present a different image of pit bulls, something we're not used to, um, right. just to shake things up a little bit and invite people to open their heart and, and see things in a different light. Mm. Fred, you're going to have to go there just to get over your fear. You see how cute <laughs> you all are. <laughs> And and we're going to meet 40 artists, which is perfect for your other radio show. Creative Magic Unchained. There you go. Right? Yeah, I I, I cut off. For five seconds, I I couldn't hear anything. Oh, I said 40 artists are going to that gallery. So you'll be able to to meet artists. So and and maybe, you know, get over your fear of dogs. I, you know, for (laughs) me, it's... I've never met a dog I didn't like, really. I mean, my my happy place is sitting in a field with 100 dogs. Like, that would be, like, heaven for me. And I go to the dog park and just love it, you know? But, you know, Sophie, look, Mm -hmm. pit bulls have such a bad reputation, okay? And I don't know pit bulls. I'm sure they're kind animals. But why why do they have this? I mean, they have this reputation for a reason. Right. Well, so the first important aspect of this debate is that what is the definition of a pit bull? You can't just point a finger at something and say, oh, this is bad, when you can't even really define what a pit bull is. Pit bull is is not a breed. So it's basically a dog that shares physical characteristics or vaguely resembles other breeds. Um, so it has maybe a, a blocky head, a big mouth. So it's something that's very, very unclear. So oh, it's, it I started, know you know, in the 80s when the media heard about dog fighting and all mm-hmm. of a sudden they said, oh, my God, all pit bulls are demonic dogs and they're going to kill us all. But really, there's no 
proper definition of a pit bull. So that's where my problem is. I understand that some dogs are dangerous. I understand that some dogs are scary. But as long as we cannot put a clear legal definition on on pit bulls, then we shouldn't be allowed to ban them. And and we shouldn't just use it as a blanket term for anything that's scary. Okay, exactly. but they ban- yeah, but they ban them because they bit a lot of people. Yeah, but they bite <laughs> yeah. people because you have to understand, Fred, that if they're a, a, a dog that, that's a fighting dog, they're chained up all the time. They're not socialized. They're they're rarely fed. You know, they're 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 meant to get angry so that when they're let loose, they just go crazy, right? And they bite other dogs. Yeah, okay. well, it's, yeah. it's not just that, and I think it's an interesting debate to have. Uh, and I wish we had more time for this because Montreal is now, you know, banning pit bulls, yeah. saying yeah. they are dangerous dogs. Okay, so again, the law doesn't really define what they're banning, meaning, for example, a Labrador boxer mix will share a physical, you know, um, trait mm-hmm. with Staffordshire Terrier and, and, and pit-type dogs, right? But it's a Labrador mm-hmm. mix with a boxer. It has nothing to do with pits in the first place. Still, mm-hmm. they can be banned and submitted to really, really difficult, you know, things like wearing a muzzle in public or and, and the owners have to go through a criminal background check. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. So um, the thing is, pit bulls do not bite more than other dogs. That's not true. It's just mm-hmm. that it's more sensationalized in the media because there is this mm-hmm. idea that the pit bull is this quasi-mythical creatures, you know, the hellhound. Yeah. Um, but in the facts, it's not true. And whenever you look at accidents and how they happened, it turns out that dogs were dangerous to begin with. And they, they should have been, you know, better assessed or even put down if they're really mm-hmm. that dangerous. They were usually, you know, poorly socialized or trained. They're not neutered, which makes them more territorial. Yes. They're chained, they're abused, or they're behind a fence and they're territorial. And the owners should understand that you can't put a scared dog behind a fence and not expect it to, you know, lose it if, if it gets loose, you know, in the street. Yeah. So we need to educate people to proper dog ownership and, and Absolutely. how to care oh, for their yeah. dogs properly. Dangerous dogs only exist because people are uneducated and stupid when it comes to, you know, how you deal with a dog that has issues. Like there, there was a, a, a bully breed came into the park a couple of weeks ago, and the owner, you know, she loved that her dog was all, you know, big and bad, and and she goes, you know, it's your dogs, and and you know, her dog wasn't neutered, and when you bring a male dog into a socialized mm-hmm. you know, to a park with a bunch of socialized dogs, the pheromones that come off him make the other dogs want to fight him anyway. And and so he got into a big fight and she got into a big huff and we're like, you know what, your dog isn't neutered. Like you, you don't bring unneutered dogs into dog parks. Like you don't. And if there's no reason for your dog not to be neutered, it should be neutered. A, it stops, you know, prostate cancer and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, do you really need to uh, breed another another dog into this world? There's so many in shelters that need to be saved. Well, anyway. And that's one yeah. thing I love about you, as, um, uh, Sophie, is that on your website, sophiegetman.com, you, know, you, you – Teach people in shelters, you generously show them, you know, how you can photograph these dogs to make them look really cute. And so people will come and adopt them. And that's really sweet. Thank you. Yeah. When I, when I started, my idea was to revolutionize the way we photograph shelter dogs in general, just not pit bulls, but shelter dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like we in the U.S. in particular, the numbers are absolutely insane. The amount of dogs we euthanize every year for no reason. So we kill 1.2 million dogs in shelters every year. 
Yeah. 1.2 million dogs. That's but then when, when people hear about the dog meat trade in Asia, they, you raise their arms. Oh, my God, it's horrible. We're eating dogs in Asia. How horrible. Mm-hmm. Treat them with respect. Yes, but you are euthanizing the same amount of dogs for no reason. You don't even eat them. So there is a major, major problem, which I believe reflects very poorly on our societies and what kind of communities sure. we are. If Absolutely. we cannot take care of our dogs, how are we going to take care of our fellow human beings? So for me, everything mm. is intertwined and it's very important to okay. learn, to educate each other. Okay, but all of you who love dogs out there, okay, how do you, I'm talking to you to you two basically too. Yes. Uh, how, how do you know when a dog is kind or not kind? Because y'all are like my girl. Body language. It's body language. And and you know what? You never approach a dog's head. You let him smell your your hand. You know you don't you don't give direct eye contact because that's aggressive behavior. And so if you read about dog behavior and and you know I would encourage you to take um, a, a class in in uh, speaking to animals too because it's it's really fun and and I love it. But you know it really is about assessing. Um, and watching their body language, like like a horse or anything, you know, the ears, the eyes, the tail. Um, a submissive dog can be a dangerous dog because they're afraid, you know. I, yeah, I think you it also comes down to, Frederick, I think it really comes down to educating people, too, of how they're supposed to um, um, behave when they have a dog. I have a lot of people who love pit bulls, have a pit bull with their kids, and they send me videos or photos of their kids, you know, pulling the tail or the ears or, or slapping the dog around for fun and telling me, look how amazing my dog is. He's not even reacting. Oh, my God, pit bulls are the best dogs. And I want to scream because how mm-hmm. irresponsible is that kind of behavior? You cannot claim to love dogs and think your dog is an angel and then submit dogs to, to such abuse because that's abuse yes. you know dogs should be respected their their limits should be respected you need to learn how to understand your dog you need to work with positive reinforcement trainers to really really set up your dog for success and you need to teach your kids to respect your dogs and you know the fact that you can abuse your dog and and the dog does not react is not a testament to their temperament it's a testament to your own stupidity because what the dog the day that dog had enough then you're yep. going to be like, oh, there was no sign. It was such a good dog all his life. Well, no, he wasn't. He was abused and he was he was shutting down. And one day he, w- he stood up for himself. So yeah. I think it all comes down to educating people mm-hmm. and make sure people do not bring dangerous dogs in our communities. Do not turn lovely, peaceful dogs into, you know, liabilities. Exactly. Well said. Well said. You know, I, I have a golden retriever, and and he's a big boy. He's about 110 pounds, and he, you know, people go, oh, you know, goldens. They never, they don't snap. They're just really sweet, and they are really sweet and loving dogs. But my dog has another side. He has, you know, I call him Sid Vicious, and it's come out a couple of times. Usually not with people, but usually with other dogs uh, when he's had enough. Like, because dogs like to kiss him for, they like to kiss his face. Like they're, they, they just love him because he's so chill. But you know, enough was enough and then eventually he'll just snap so we're going to a break and we will come right back after we pay the bills if you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace joy and abundance wouldn't that make your heart soar now you can with lessons in joyful living with your host kimberly rinaldi mondays at noon central Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches lessons in joyful living. 
She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. You may think that getting five or more servings of vegetables and fruit a day is a daunting task and may even seem unrealistic. With the price of almost everything increasing, some people think it's too expensive to buy fruit and vegetables. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, you can buy three servings of fruits and four servings of vegetables for well under $2 a day. If the taste of fruit and vegetables is not your favorite, find something low-calorie and delicious to dip them in. My children love to dip fresh vegetables like carrots, celery, broccoli, and cauliflower in ranch dressing for a nutritious and tasty snack. Dipping them into yogurt is also scrumptious. Be creative and make sure to eat at least five servings of fruit and vegetables a day. By doing so, you will watch your health increase and your weight decrease. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. And we're back. We're on the last legs of Frankie Sends and More. And we are so happy that you stuck around and joined us. And uh, thank you for that. Fred and I thank you for that especially. Uh, Fred <laughs> wanted to uh, talk to Esther. about. I, I want to I mention the I Bared My Chest project that Esther is part of. Um, Proudly, I should add. <laughs> what made you? What made you say yes, Esther? Um, because um, as much as um, I have celebrated other people, a lot of people have not had my own story. Yes, mm-hmm. and you know the, the project came at the right time. All right, and honestly, I, I just really am at that point where I. Where I feel I need to also share some, you know, with, with all the women, yes. Nice. Yeah. And of course, Thank it's you. a great project. Yes, yeah, it is a good project. There's 21 women telling their stories. I'm not sure what's happening to our sound here, but we have 21 women who are sharing, um, going, I, we call it digging for bold, and, and really sharing their stories in this book, new book called I Beard My Chest that's going to come out in November. So mm-hmm. that, that's great. Thank you for that. There's a movement, as I as I was saying, uh, while we were off the air. You know, there's a movement with women. It seems to me in Africa where more and more women are standing up for themselves. It seems to me. Am I right or am I just an illusion? <laughs> more than before, more than ten, and, twenty years ago. Yeah, because I mean, most of the issues these women are actually addressing. All right, we have high prevalence of this issue. The more we speak about it, all right, the more these problems compound. Okay, so and then I always say one thing: um, the sky is so is so is so large, all right, for yes. everybody to fly. As long as you're doing something positive, as as the motive is right, all right, yeah. We, we need more voice. We need to um, always rally around ourselves and then keep, you know, preaching this word and then putting the word out there. Yeah. And so what, I don't what think the, it's a problem. What? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, go on, Fred. Go on. No, I was just going to say about the power of the Internet again. You know, it's, it, it's mm-hmm. so wonderful that you're out there in Nigeria and here mm-hmm. you are talking to mm-hmm. U.S. and people, in, Canadian people, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It is amazing. And I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask Sophie one more thing. Sophie, you, you were part of that project in Puerto Rico um, at a place called Dead Dog Beach. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I spent uh, two years volunteering with a rescue over there. So the Dog Beach is a is a beach on the southeast coast of Puerto Rico, uh, where uh, traditionally people have come to dump dogs and abuse them. You know, there's a lot of gang violence on the island, and they would come and target practice on these dogs. Oh um, so there used to be hundreds of dogs, you know, roaming that beach. And um, this group, the Sato Project, uh, rescues from there. Uh, and maintain the dog population down and, and works with the local residents to bring awareness and educate people. Um, Puerto Rico has a serious issue with, uh, with the stray dogs. There's a lot of them and there's a lot of myths. You know, people think that street dogs are dangerous, that they're going to kill their, their children. Um, so there's a lot of work to be done. Again, you know, it comes back to educating people uh, so that they're really empowered and they understand the you know dogs language really yeah, yeah. Are, you, are you classically trained in photography or did you something that you you just started to do oh no i'm actually self-taught um i'm i'm a lawyer by by education oh wow <laughs> yeah okay uh, and then i studied opera singing and then oh. i became a photographer so wow I, yeah my path is a little you know all why, over why, the, place. why the shift what, what happened why did oh you, you know what I just follow kind of where my heart goes. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've always been like this. I don't believe in, in, in one path. I don't believe in one career. And I don't think this will be my last career either. You know, there's mm-hmm. just so many things I want to explore in life. And there's, you know, so little years to do it. So, after my own heart. <laughs> was it, yeah. was it, was it, was it cha- challenging to, to go from being a lawyer to what you're doing now? Uh, well, I, I didn't really practice uh, very, you know, I, I never really ah, practiced as a you lawyer. Went to school. So, you went to school in law. Yeah, then... I have a master in law. And then I, I got a job in the UN, you know, system because I wanted to become a diplomat and change the world, you know. But then uh-huh. I realized I couldn't. <laughs> you went to the tradition that your parents did and then you said, screw well, you know, it's there's a little bit of that because I always I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to study yeah. fine arts, and then my dad was like, "Oh, you need a serious job. You can be an artist on your, you know, downtime." Yeah, yeah. And then as I grew older, you know, I I just I couldn't. I sat in an office doing office work and trying to change the world like that, and I couldn't. <laughs> and so I I couldn't breathe. I couldn't leave. So I decided to embrace the fact that I was an artist and my path was going to be a little more chaotic and complicated. And now, for the first time in many, many years, I feel like I have a voice. I'm able to change a little bit of the world, you know, in, in my own little niche. Um, yeah. People are listening to what I have to say. And, and through my art, I'm able to change mentalities and, and, and trans- help transform our societies to better it. Why I hope did- to work with humans, you know, after animals. But right now, I'm working with animals. Why did you move from France to New York? Oh, I follow the man, of course. <laughs> what else? <laughs> uh, no, but I wanted. We wanted to reinvent our lives a little bit, and it just seemed like such a crazy dream, you know, crazy opportunity. So we made it happen, and you know, it's been it's been challenging and amazing. So Wonderful. I could never have the career I have now had I stayed in France. I don't think Why? America has this way of just creating opportunities for people like me that have those crazy paths. You know, your English is exceptionally good. 
Oh, for a French person, I, I'm sure you were going <laughs> to add. Well, well, even maybe better than French. But, I, you know, when I, went to, I went to college and, and my roommate was from France. And, and we, you know, I, she wanted to teach English. And so I, I spoke only in French to her and she spoke only in English to me. But, yeah, I mean, I thought I, I expected your accent to be thicker. So you've really assimilated really well. Yeah, I think it's probably because I'm a singer, so I, I have a natural, you know, ear for for sounds and, and intonations. So I think it comes natural. Sometimes I wish I had, you know, a bigger accent because people never know where I'm from. And, I, you know, sometimes it's it's good to be able to link to your roots a little more when you Have you leave. recorded anything? Uh, you mean with music? Yes. Not not any, you know, official recording, like professional recordings. I recorded a lot of my concerts and things like this for my personal use, but sure. not really. It feels like a different life, you know. It's, you don't want to sing so anymore? Uh, you know, strangely enough, not really. Sometimes okay. I, I do, but not opera for sure. I'm done with that. But yeah. I feel it's because I'm really fulfilled with what I do now. So once you find that niche and that passion, it's hard to think about anything else. Esther, what about you? Do you have any other talents we don't know about? Uh, do, do I? Do I? <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think now. Okay. I think I can sing a bit. <laughs> I'm sure you can. can I would bit. love to hear something, actually, like a traditional song. Oh, I love or... African sounding music. Uh, from me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let me bust your bubbles. I'm going to sing this in a language called Yoruba. Okay. All right. It's, um, yeah, it's um, one of the many languages we have in, in Nigeria. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I go. Oh, hello, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, Hosanna, yeah, oh, oh, she, Baba. Yeah, wow. Thank you. Awesome, Esther. Oh, that's Who are your favorite artist, Esther? Um, well, globally or in Africa? Yeah, 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 yeah globally. globally. Ah, well, okay. I'll say Beyonce for mm -hmm. female artists, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, I love Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 yes. What yes, about you, Sophie? Too. My favorite artist? Yeah, singer. Singer. Oh, singer. Oh, you, I mean, it's going to sound terrible, but I actually don't listen to music. No, why? <laughs> At all. I know, because I guess, you know, when, when you become a semi-professional singer, you know, you start listening to everything with, with this critical ear. Yeah, so I, I just didn't crap. enjoy it anymore. <laughs> So I've, I've, yeah. I haven't listened to music in a very, very long time. Well, okay, you don't listen to popular music. No, I don't listen to anything, really. I mean... <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I know. Wow. It's, very, it's very strange. Okay, well, so be before, I, before you, were, you became critical, who Well, was you know, artist? I have a very, very soft spot for very big, dramatic soprano voices. Like, oh, okay. like Kalas, you know, and, and all these mm -hmm. amazing voices. So... But in the pop culture, oh, I'm afraid I'm, I lost touch years ago. <laughs> wow. Did you ever come across Joanna Forrest? She's a mm -hmm. female soprano. No, she was on the show not that long ago. Actually, no. she's a really sweet girl from England. Um, Fred, what about you? Who, who's your fave? Well, of all time, it's Michael Jackson. Okay. But now I would say uh, Eminem. I like Alicia Keys. I like Pink. I love Pink. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like Alanis, Alanis Morissette. 
Yes. Those would be my favorite. Yeah. Nice. And what about you, Frankie? You know, I love everything. I'm a drummer, uh, so I like anything. I like. I really like funk and that kind of music. But I love Nora Jones, and um, anything from the '70s, of course, because mm. you know it's classic rock. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Right. Yeah. But I like all music. I like it all. Really. Depends on my mood. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I love a good ballad, and John Legend is the only singer oh, I, I yeah. knew of. And I actually got the opportunity to photograph his dogs. Uh, they, oh. they flew me to L.A. to uh, photograph their dogs. Nice. And it was, it was such a fun experience. They're a lovely couple. So yeah. um, they now have pit bulls wearing flower crowns hung above the crib of their oh. newborn baby. Nice. So wow. we're spreading awareness. <laughs> Did you get a picture with the baby and the dogs, or just the dogs? No, just the dogs. The baby was not born yet. Oh, they no. were preparing the the room, you know, the nursery room. So, yeah. but yeah. it was fun. It was really fun. I mean, who knew by you know photographing dogs in shelters, I would get opportunities like this. It's it's kind of insane. You know, it's funny because I started off as a photographer, and uh, and <laughs> you did everything, Frankie. You did I, everything. I really <laughs> did. Yeah. Well, my husband was a photographer. I was. A, that's how I met him. I was a photographer. My son is a photographer. Like, there's just a lot of photographers. Around. <laughs> <laughs> I don't shoot anymore. I just paint. I like painting. So yeah, it's fun. It's good to have talents. Exactly. Anyway, I want uh, I want to thank each and every one of you. It, it, you know, we got about two minutes. One minute I see here left in the show. Esther, thank you so much for for calling in from Nigeria. It's such a pleasure to thank you. Uh, be able to see you and hear about the wonderful work that you're doing, social activism, thank and of course Sophie too. All the wonderful work you're doing with the animals um, to help protect them. Thank and, you. And, yeah, Thank and, and so I have to highly commend this book, Wet Dog. It's such a fun book to to have on your coffee table. Uh, the dogs look really cute. There's actually a couple of dogs in here that look like sloths. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in Esther's book, Breaking the Silence, if you have a young girl, I mean, it's it's a book that you might want to pick up and read and, and learn some things about, uh, you know, how to protect your daughter and how to protect right. yourself. And we're going to try to do something against this pit bull law here. Yeah, yeah. I want it. you to go, go to that show, Fred, and let yeah. us know that, please. Um, <laughs> and sign the petition. It's on the Good Radio Network blog right now. You can go there and sign the petition to stop breed-specific laws. They're nasty. So thank you, everybody, for joining us on, on this show. Yeah. This week. And uh, we will be back next week as per usual. Thank you. All right. Thank you, you guys. All right. Bye-bye. Shit, now you